welcome to Streams of Progress, where we bring you weekly conversations with many of the UAE's prominent leaders and thinkers. Each of our guests are actively contributing to the vitality of the UAE community and economy. Our goal in the podcast is to inspire you to drive progress in your professional and personal life. Hey everyone, this is Menard, and this week on Streams of Progress, we have another special episode done in collaboration with Young Arab Leaders. On this episode, I sat down with Farah Awadaisia, founder of Stutter UAE and a member of Young Arab Leaders. Farah shared her story of how she overcame her own stutter and now works to empower others to do the same. She didn't let her stutter get in the way of her ambitious goals, and in 2018, she was awarded the Abu Dhabi Award the highest civilian medal and recognition granted by the Emirate of Abu Dhabi for her positive impact in the community. As an entrepreneur, she discussed how she takes calculated risks as she constantly pushes herself to do more for the community. So without further ado, let's jump right in. We're sitting down with Farah Al-Ghaisiyah, founder of Stutter UAE. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity. It's our pleasure. So where does this all begin? Where does your story begin? Sure. So my name is Farah Al-Ghaisiyah and my journey began when I was, I think, I think the first idea popped in my head when I was around 12 or 13 years old. But it was just an idea and I didn't know what to make out of it. So I'm Emirati, I'm based in Abu Dhabi, born, raised and educated here. And there was a certain incident that happened to me as a person who stuttered. And it kind of stayed with me and I knew I wanted to do something with, I wanted to do something for my stutter, but I wasn't sure of what it was until later in my university years and possibly even after. And that's your nonprofit that you're referring to, Stutter UAE? Yes. Okay. Can you tell us a bit about what is the nonprofit? What, what exactly do you do? How do you help people with stutters? So Stutter UAE is an online platform where we get people who stutter to c- connect with other people who stutter and know more about stuttering in general. It started because... Um, as I mentioned earlier, growing up it, um, as a person who stuttered, it felt very isolating. It felt like I was very different than everyone else around me. And honestly, I think if it wasn't for the support of my family and my younger brother who also stuttered, um, I think I would have taken a completely different path because you feel so alone with the way that you speak. And People don't understand it. Although there is 1% of the world population that stutters, it's still not seen as um, common because we've, we found ways to um, maneuver around our stutter. And um, as I mentioned when I was introducing myself in school, I was ridiculed by a teacher because of my stutter. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And that kind of forced me to become an introvert where I did not want to socialize unless I really had to. And that feeling stayed with me till I graduated high school. Um, And I was, and I remember as I was looking into universities, I was thinking, I don't want this person who was forced to become however she became 
to continue that journey. So mm. I decided I'm going to go into university and I'm going to challenge myself and do something that made me feel so uncomfortable. Um, so I would stand up and during my presentations in university and before getting into the topic, I would say good afternoon, everyone. My name is Farah Al-Qaysiyah and I stutter. Please bear with me. Mm. And that was so scary. But the more I talked about it, the more I was confronting myself before anything else about my stutter. I started to stutter less. And that's when I realized that I, I have control over my stutter. It's not something that controls me anymore. Fast forward 2013, I met another person who stuttered, who wasn't related by blood or anything. And at work, when we would catch up and talk about our stutter, it, we felt empowered by talking about it. And Stutter UAE started by genuinely wanting to see who else in the UAE stutters. And it's, it's incredible to see the journey that it's been on since then. So you mentioned Stutter UAE, it's an online platform. So does it work by educating people, connecting people? How, how does it actually so help people with stutters? We have multiple things that we do. Online, mainly we share either stories by people who stutter here in the UAE or around the world. Uh, we post some facts and figures about stuttering and kind of get the dialogue going about topics related to stuttering and breaking the stigma. Another thing that we usually do, and in light of everything that's happening now, we're reconsidering and relooking how we do it, is we host um, the annual Stuttering Awareness Day event that happens in October. And that's where we commemorate our stutter and celebrate our accent, as we like to say in the initiative. We don't look at it as a speech impediment. Rather, it's our unique accent that we should be proud of. A question for you, because you said even before you began stutter, you started to take control of it. Mm -hmm. Did you just uh, do your own research? Were you in touch with people who were... Uh, able to help you overcome it? Like, because from what I'm hearing, it sounds like it was a lot of a personal growth or personal mindset you put, you attached because of that stigma that occurred in high school where you said, I don't want to be that person again, going through university like this. So how did you go about your own progress? Was it through support? Was it through your own learnings and educating yourself? How did you go about that? So I think for me, it was... It was a very interesting journey because I was genuinely going through it blindly. I was, it was a trial and error. So I would test something out that I knew would, wasn't working for me and see why, why it wasn't. So when I was saying out loud that I stutter, I wasn't sure how it would impact me or how the people in my class would would react to it, knowing that when I was in a similar situation some years before that, it really um, made me feel uncomfortable. 
And I think what I wanted to do is test my tolerance to discomfort. So I did something similar when I realized that I stutter much more in Arabic. So I would go and try to speak in Arabic more often. I would take on opportunities where I had to present in Arabic. And it wasn't, my approach was not scientific. It was not a fully thought out approach, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But it worked for me. Um, I remember when I spoke to my brother about those things, he would tell me that he found his channel of managing his stutter through his art. Um, other people would write their, their emotions. So I think that's the beauty of stuttering is it's very unique, yet it brings us together. And for me, it was, it was testing things where I knew I would feel uncomfortable, but because of my surroundings, my family, my friends that were accepting of me regardless of my stutter kind of made it um, more safe to test those things. I find it very fascinating actually when you mentioned in Arabic your stutter was more pronounced where the thought of the phenomena of being multilingual and a specific language, you actually stutter more in the other language. Because I just think typically people would think if you have a stutter, it's common throughout any languages you do speak. But what you just hinted at right now is that it's unique to each individual. And also, like you just said, you had more of a stutter in Arabic than you did in English. So that that's a very interesting point. Because a lot of people that stutter and like after we're having conversations it's quite common for us to stutter more in our mother tongue why we have no idea like we know it's it has something to do with our genes we know it's something to do with our biological and neurological um, makeup but why do I stutter more in Arabic than I do in English I don't know but what I like to believe is when Farah is speaking in her mother tongue, because it's her mother tongue, she is expected to know how to speak it. And because she's Arab, because she's, uh, she just happens to be Arab, that Farah stutters. It's in her composition that she stutters. Now, when Farah that speaks English or whatever other language, it's a character that I've built. It's a character that I made up that mm. I chose to have her not stutter as much. Mind you, this is just my own interpretation of how yeah. or why this happens. But it's quite often and it's quite common that people who stutter stutter more in their mother tongue than any other language. It could be pressure. It could be the self-belief that because this is my mother tongue, I'm expected to speak it fluently. I don't know. There might be this expectation and it might not even be from others. It's on yourself where you actually have this expectation 
of how you're perceived or you think you're perceived and therefore more pressure is built on, you know, it creates an extra layer of uh, pressure on an individual. Exactly. All right. So beyond just Stutter in the UAE, you've also launched iStutter Center, which I believe is a collaboration with the Speech Care Center in Portugal. Can Mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So I've partnered with Speech Care Center in Portugal, who are specialized in treatments for people who stutter. Uh, We've been in talks since 2016, trying to make something happen and trying to figure out what would be the best approach. Um, I really wanted something for the UAE where it's beyond just a support group. It's something that complements the support group, something that people who stutter feel empowered to go through. And when we launched the online speech therapy center in uh, in March of this year, I was I was so happy that what we initially wanted in 2016, which was a more physical presence in the UAE and all of that, to be able to take it online and then be able to continue to support people who stutter despite the lockdowns, despite everything, is, was, very, was very rewarding because a lot of people who stutter are seeking treatments, but they might not feel comfortable going to some because it's very, um, speech impediments are very general. And treatments of every impediment could differ. What I wanted to offer is something that is fully dedicated for people who stutter, not just in the UAE, but also around the world. I actually think it's very opportune in timing because you said it launched in March 2020, I believe. So we were all the beginnings of our lockdown. So I assume... So many people who even were going to a physical place, all of a sudden couldn't. So yeah. by being online, it not only helps people who you know aren't comfortable going to such a location, but also allows people when we were in lockdown, quarantine, just trying to you know protect you know everyone else in society by less interactions. It, it allows you to still continue the therapy you're doing online. Yeah. There's something very interesting we came across when we were looking at your profile. In 2018, you were awarded the Abu Dhabi Award, and I believe that's the highest civilian medal and recognition granted by the Emirates of Abu Dhabi. And in your case, it was for the positive impact in the community. Uh, Can I just ask you, what was going through your mind when you were told you're going to be awarded this accolade? So, like, even two years later, it's still something that, I I don't fully think it sunk in because it's such an honor to 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 have been one of the recipients of the awards. But I to answer your question shortly, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> so the way the Abu Dhabi Award uh, works is it's a community nomination. So it's not something that I self-nominate. I can if I wanted to, but I didn't. So it's a, the 
community of people in Statue UAE, in Abu Dhabi, in the UAE, were submitting nominations for Statue UAE and my efforts with that. And um, because it's a, because of how Abu Dhabi Award works, it's very, it's like a best kept secret until the announcement day. So there was a video that was made with people from the group, my friends, my colleagues. I had no idea it took place. They were in contact with my sister about updates and making sure that we're available on that day in order for us to to receive the, the award or not. But I, I didn't realize that I was a recipient until my name was called. I thought it was just, I was one of the people nominated like one or two days before the ceremony. But I remember that it, it felt like a dream because all the work that was put in Stutter UAE and all the times where I felt like giving up, this was the community's answer. This was our leadership's answer. This was the universe's answer to let me know that whatever we're doing is important. Whatever we are dedicating for the good of the community will flourish. It's just a matter of time. And um, yeah, I remember there was a lot of tears <laughs> that day. <laughs> no, but I actually think these type of community-driven recognition awards are very needed because individuals like yourself, you said, you know, you, you obviously went through different hardships while you were, you know, setting it up, making it grow, becoming what it is today. So you even said there were times where you thought maybe I should quit. Maybe, you know, these are things that all entrepreneurs kind of go through, right? Yeah. We only see the the shiny thing after the fact right now that I'm talking to you. you ha- you've done all this already. It sounds easy. I mean, it's, it's done. Yeah. But no one looks into the journey you went through. So these type of awards allow an opportunity to recognize you and individuals like yourself who are doing a positive impact on community. So. Absolutely. But you're not done. Your story doesn't end with just uh, the, the work you're doing with Stutter. So also in 2020, I believe, right, you yeah. recently co-founded Guiding Stars, which is another online platform for guiding mothers into raising twins in a more mindful way. Uh, one, where did this inspiration come from? And two, why this specific cause? Um, so the inspiration came from my own experience as a mother of twins. And when I first became a mother, my whole life flipped upside down. Um, It wasn't until later in my pregnancy that I, that I found out that I was um, experiencing uh, prenatal anxiety. And then after delivery, I had postpartum depression and because it's so foreign to me because um it's not something that we openly talk about in our society or even around the world 
we are expected as mothers to figure out motherhood, like it's a push of a button and everything, all the knowledge in the world comes to us. And when I started talking to my co-founder, Amina, about um, this idea that I have, she was totally on board because she too experienced the challenges that comes with raising twins. Because she also was a mother of twins, as a mother of twins. And lucky for us, um, that idea came about when uh, Ma'an Social Incubator, uh, Ma'an Social Enterprise was launching its social incubator focusing on mental health. And we pitched the idea to them and we were one of the 10 ideas that were chosen to go through their incubator. And what, what really stood out for me in this journey is as mothers, as parents even, we are very often sucked into our motherhood role or our parenthood, parenthood role that we forget ourselves and we end up neglecting our own well-being, whether it's the emotional side, the mental side, the physical side, any of that. And before we know it, we are running on fumes. And that isn't healthy, not just for us, but for our kids. And in order for us to be able to parent better, we need to be better. And that's kind of the main purpose of Guiding Stars. That's an astute observation where we don't tend to talk about these things in most societies even really, uh, where we just expect parents to know what to do, right? It's just, uh, (laughs) here's a kid and you should know what to do with it. But even the feelings and everything, all the emotions and everything you go through as well. You actually said you experienced multiple things where you even had postpartum depression. I don't know. It came through the incubator though. That's very interesting. It was a very eye-opening experience because it was nice to see that there's so much um, entrepreneurship efforts that's happening in Abu Dhabi, in the UAE, or even in the region that wants to support people with their mental well-being with different segments of society. And having a platform like Ma'an that is kind of breaking the stigma and letting people talk about mental health, I think it's mm. it's very nice to see. It's multiple things. I think most of what Ma'an supports is along the lines of social entrepreneurship specifically. Yeah. Um, so speaking of entrepreneurship, you're also a member of Young Arab Leaders. In the past, we've uh, done interviews with the chairwoman, Munal Gurg, the vice chairwoman, Najla Al-Midfa. Can I ask you as a member, what made you decide to join Young Arab Leaders? Honestly, when I first heard about Young Arab Leaders and what they envisioned to achieve and why they exist and knowing... Uh, Muna, it's, um, for me, that was the perfect platform to not just me benefit from being a member and adding that to my um, 
honors, but it was also an, an, a, a, a unique opportunity where different inspiring Arabs from around the region are coming together, are sharing their experiences, are supporting each other. And having access to such a platform is, is something that I think I, I, I continue to benefit from as an individual, as an entrepreneur, and definitely as a mother. And how do you think uh, you can contribute to the youth and help develop the next generation of leaders through your membership of Young Arab Leaders? Before I became a member, and I got to see how these inspiring individuals were truly making a change in the way that they do things, with the way that they work. And wanting to have access to that, I think, is, is key. And being a member now and the younger generation seeing that the efforts that we do, the impact that we do on an individual level is catching the interest of the mentors, you know? And when I say mentors, I mean the other Yale members who have a vast amount of expertise and knowledge and are able to genuinely and truly advice rather than just hear out. And that's what I hope to be able to achieve with being a member and for the next generation is letting them know that there is a platform, there is a place where they can contribute to and benefit from. You kind of hinted at maybe what I'm going to ask next. What sort of role do you think an organization such as Young Arab Leaders plays in empowering women founders like yourself and women leaders in other industries? And I think you hinted at it when you said it's a role model and a bit of mentorship as well. Definitely. And being able to, I'll say it again, having access to the the other members at at Yale, makes me want to continue growing, continue challenging myself and bettering myself because they are paving the path for their peers, for their next generation, for those who are struggling to figure out what they want to do and how they want to achieve that. And Connecting, having that network where we can stay connected, where we can talk about things is extremely important. And for women specifically, I feel having our chairwoman and vice chairwoman, a woman, <laughs> is, is it truly makes you realize that there are no limits. The only limits are within us. And they are phenomenal women and phenomenal people that truly want to do good. And it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not a matter of status or prestige or any of that. It's a genuine care and a genuine want to have that sort of network. Speaking of women, actually, 
I, I believe one of Yale's most successful and well-attended events was an event they had on Emirati Women's Day where you were actually one of the panelists. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, what was that experience like talking about your journey and especially sharing the stage with other remarkable women of the UAE? And the, I think that just goes to prove how invested young Arab leaders are with the women within their organization. And having had the opportunity to sit across a panel that had incredible women um, sharing their stories, their expertise, and someone like me who I feel like there is so much more I want to do is like, it gave me that boost of confidence. It gave me that, that reassurance that I'm on the right path. I need to continue what I'm doing. <laughs> and again, that, that just shows you how dedicated the, 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 the organization is. I think that's wonderful, especially actually until you brought it up, it didn't make me think that most of the leadership is actually women <laughs> and a lot of the powerful people within the organization are women as well. <laughs> I'll move on to a bit more uh, personal related questions. All right. This one we tend to ask our guests and I'm actually interested to know who you'll say. And the question is, who would you consider a role model or did you look to for inspiration through your career? And again, this might be before young Arab leaders, before you actually met some of these people, but yeah. in general, who, who did you look to? Was there any individual? So honestly, there are two role models that I, that every time I, I see them, whether we're chatting or on social media or anything that they're doing, it, it's something that I really want to kind of understand them more and get to spend as much time as I can with them. The first is Najla Al-Midfa. This lady is someone that I remember when I, very, when I saw her for the very first time many, many years ago, I was so taken by how confident she is, how... Um, how she knows what she wants and she is willing to get there in any shape or form. And I absolutely love that. And the second is Ali al Mazroi, who for me as someone who, who's known her on a personal level and seen her journey has been extremely inspiring because she managed to be able to balance between being a mom, being an entrepreneur, and being a friend and a sister and a family and all of that. And to me, that was very, it was important for me to see, especially as I be became a mother, because I always felt that I would have to end up choosing one over the other. And seeing Andia and seeing Nantila and seeing everyone all these powerful women that despite everything else that's happening in their life, they're able to um, follow their ambition and hold on to it. And I think it's very important to have such role models 
in our lives. I think you hinted at something very important that we tend to look at these people, whether we know them personally or we hear about them, but we don't tend to think there's obviously the, the human side where they are also a parent or they are the child of someone or, or yeah. a sibling of someone. And there's so many other emotions that go into it. They're not just that entrepreneur you see. There's so many things going on in their life as well. So for them to manage everything itself. And actually, we had Najla on the show uh, previously. And that was one of the things I asked, how does she manage her time in terms of all the things she's committed to and she's working on and all the things she's doing for the entrepreneurial community? It's just astounding, like how she's able to manage her time and still do everything. So. Okay, speaking of, uh, let's say, managing time or routines, are there any personal habits you tend to do that you would say are maybe unique to yourself or any routines you have? I don't know whether they'd be unique to myself or not, but um, one of the routines I make sure that I do every night is no matter how busy my day has been or any of that, I make sure that I spend the half hour before the, my kids go to bed, reading a book for them. And that kind of gives me a chance to wind down and actually be in the moment because most of the day I'm just juggling so many things and having that time with them when it's just us is, I think, one of the things that I make sure to do on a daily basis. Well, that's great. So you actually are able to put aside some time and you make that a routine or a habit to always do that every night yeah. for your kids. And on the days where, I, where like I've missed it for whatever reason, I feel there's something off. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how you know it is a routine actually or a yeah. habit because <laughs> as soon as you don't do it, something something's off. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to our rapid-fire questions. These can be short or long answers. Take as much time as you want or as little time as you want to answer. So if you could post a message on one of the massive billboards on Sheikh Saad Road, either going towards Abu Dhabi or towards Dubai, and non-commercial, so I don't want you to be promoting Sutter or any organization you're part of, just a message for people either visiting the UAE or residents, citizens, what would you like them to know or see? Um, It would be, what would you want to be remembered by or remembered for? Hmm. Interesting. So you want them to question maybe what they're even doing day to day. (laughs) Basically, because every, okay. (laughs) I think that we all have full potential within us and we're we are the ones standing in our own way and that's the first barrier and I think once we are able to peel that life happens my other option would be uh, aspire to inspire (laughs) I even like life happens even when you said life happens I thought that's an interesting one as well (laughs) let's go with life happens then (laughs) Oh, you know what we we do? We give you three billboards back to back. So you, you so you first set them up with the premise to think about what they're doing with their life. What do you want to be remembered for? And then we tell them the rest. So we build on it. 
So if there's a book you were to gift to people, or if there is a current book you do tend to gift to people, what is that book? The Power of the Subconscious Mind. What is that book? Maybe just give us a quick teaser of what it... It's a book that makes, or at least made me realize the power of my own subconscious mind in manifesting what I want. And I wasn't so much of a believer until I actually started reading the book and things started happening. (laughs) (laughs) When I used to test out the theories in in the book, a while later they they happened they manifested yeah and have you actually gifted the book or this is something you I might did. think no, 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 oh, I did you did. Actually, okay yeah. okay <laughs> did the person who read it attempt to tap into that they never came back to me <laughs> <laughs> okay so I, I i i don't know how that went for them <laughs> Okay. Well, let, let's just assume it went well. Exactly. Uh, do you have any favorite documentaries? Um, my current favorite is Babies on Netflix. Ah, the series. Yeah, yes. the mini series. It's uh, it's just very interesting to see how much we don't know about our little ones, and we're just learning now. Yeah, some of the science in that is fascinating. Do you have any personal hobbies that you explore on either evenings, weekends? Um, I enjoy writing and painting. And I do tend to do that sometimes. When you say writing, that's just like fictional? Uh, No, it's more um, like my own reflections and writing down my own experiences with things. And that's Mm, so a bit of like a biography journaling. In a way, yeah. And this is something you do habitually? Like, is it every weekend you'll sit down or every evening you'll sit down and do it? Um, this is more ad hoc. Whenever, like, I, I realize something or I feel something or after watching a show that triggered something in me, I tend to kind of want to, want to write it down, write the thoughts, the emotions, and the learnings. Interesting. And well, that's actually a nice habit to do, <laughs> reflect on. <laughs> What you just watch or reflect on yeah. things you experienced. Okay, this is a, a grand one we tend to ask people. As we all know, anyone who's been in the UAE knows, it's one of the most ambitious countries in the world. So if you could propose to the country to have to follow a dream initiative of yours, something very ambitious, you know, like, I mean, when I'm saying ambitious is because they're already thinking of setting up a, a city on Mars. Yeah. So if, if you were to pr- propose something ambitious to them or, or, so, or some type of a dream initiative you would like to see done for the country, what would that be? Wow. Like this question is coming right before a couple of days from when they're about to go to Mars. Um, I might not know what it is exactly, but why sure we can talk it out we'll talk it out what is it <laughs> but i know it's something that i i i would want it to touch on the internal happiness of people and them being able to realize that happiness starts from within and to stop 
expecting to find it in everything else that's external. That's very interesting for a city or a country to think like that. Right. Because typically we, we tend to think of lower the economy or we tend to think of what we have, material goods. But, you know, we, when we think of, uh, you know, measuring a country, yeah. we usually think of GDP, we think of all these other metrics, but how often do we really think of happiness? I, I know there are some, sometimes they have a happiness metric, yeah. but to be honest, it's not really, <laughs> it, it's a bit fluffy. But if to, to, to take it seriously, I think that's where the dream initiative could be. Yeah where they actually take it seriously as how happy are people, right? And it starts with internal. Yeah. And I genuinely believe once we're able to find happiness within us or peace within us, that we'll be, bet- we'll be better able to handle the external factors that might not be so happy. Yeah. So that would be my dream. <laughs> oh, it works, it works. We'll, we'll count. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> All right. So do you have any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? I mean, I already have a general sense of how you tend to think of them tapping into themselves and not being, not being a blocker to them, to their own ambitions. Right. Uh, So I'm assuming maybe something there or maybe something else. I think it's definitely along those lines, but what I would want to leave them with is, to not be afraid to take risks, especially if it's in areas where it might not be the most common or something that we see as stigmatized because that's where the opportunity lies. Um, I, if I didn't take the risk back in 2013 with Sutter UAE, I don't think I would be the person I am today. And for me, that's why taking risks is so important. Calculated risks, measured risks, yes, but yes. <laughs> never the last. Finding that courage to go out of our own comfort zone. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I believe we grow through risk. Yeah. And that exposure, those, you know, the unknowns. Yeah. There's some growth that occurs when we're exposed to that. Lastly, where can our listeners go to find more information, one, about you, about Stutter UAE, even about Guiding Stars? Where can we point them to? Um, you can find me on Instagram, Farah al one word. Stutter UAE is also available on Instagram and Facebook, Stutter UAE, one word. Guiding Stars as well. It's guidingstars.ae for the Instagram handle and the website. Perfect. Well, thank you for being on the show, Farah. Uh, There was a lot of interesting insights that you've shared with us. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You can find this episode's show notes on our website at streamsofprogress.com slash Farah. That's F-A-R-A. H. We'd love to connect with you, so follow us on Facebook and Instagram or reach out via our website. If you can please take a few minutes to give us an honest rating on iTunes, this really makes a huge difference and improves our ability to reach more people in the UAE and beyond. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next week on Streams of Progress.